0: Thank you, Brother Terry. Wow, what a song. What a plea to bring back the cross again. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 47. Then we'll look at 2 Chronicles. Isaiah. This morning, I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, Will America Come Back to God? Will America come back to God? And we want to look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 47. We're going to be reading uh, verses, really verses 7, uh, verses, 7 through 15. Isaiah 47, verse 7 through 15. Listen to God's word. And you said, I shall be a lady forever, so that you did not take these things to heart, nor remember the latter end of them. Therefore hear this now, you who are given to pleasure, who dwell securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children, But these two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon you in their fullness because of the multitudes or the multitude of your sorceries. For the great abundance of your enchantments. For you have trusted in your wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have wrapped you. And you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one else beside me. Therefore, evil shall come upon you. You shall not know from where it arises. And trouble shall fall upon you. You will not be able to put it off. And desolation shall come upon you suddenly, which you shall not know. Stand now with your enchantments and the multitudes of your sorceries in which you've labored from your youth. Perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you will prevail. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. Let now the astrologers and the stargazers and the monthly prognostications or prognosticators stand up and save you from what shall come upon you. Behold, they shall be as stubble, the fire shall burn them, They shall not deliver themselves. From the power of the flame, it shall not be a coal to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before. Thus shall they be to you with whom you have labored, your merchants from your youth. They shall wander each one to his quarter. No one shall save you. Such an awesome judgment coming from God. You would think that we were reading about modern America today. Will America come back to God? As one reviews American history, you'll find a deep conviction that God set aside, God chose, a unique people to settle the North American continent. When Columbus was sailing across the Atlantic, He was sailing toward the Delaware Bay, but a flock of birds passed, and the navigator persuaded Columbus to alter his course and to fly south. He never touched the New World in its North American continent, and those who followed him turned south, seeking gold and an expedition. And when the pilgrims left England to come to the New World, They were thinking also to turn south. But a great storm buffeted the Mayflower and the little boats that followed her. And they landed far north. And the pilgrims, they came to New England and they built a little colony there. And when summer came, their first summer, when that summer came, a massive drought hit that little colony. Dry, dry, dry. And they got on their knees and they prayed for nine unending hours that God would send rain to them. And after they said their amen, at the close of their prayer, water began to fall from God's hand, began to fall from heaven. First of all, if you're taking notes, I believe that you have a people, a chosen people of God, an elect people, if you will, that settled the North American continent. But secondly, what kind of men, what kind of people were our forefathers? Well, you can see the kind of men they were through the events that God led them through, through the revolution, through the revolutionary war. They were noble men, fine and godly men, And you see their names signed on the, the Declaration of Independence. However, what we don't realize is that those men paid up, that signed that declaration, paid with their lives, and not only with their lives, they paid with their fortunes. And on July the 4th, 1776, these 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence they were not hooligans. They were not roughens. They were not roughnecks, but they were determined men, and they were educated men. Twenty-four of those who signed were lawyers and jurists. Eleven of them were merchants. Nine of them owned large plantations. However, they were aware that in signing this declaration, that they were, if captured, would be under severe penalty. It would be the penalty of death. So you have a people chosen by God to settle in America and on this continent. What kind were they? What kind of people were our forefathers? They were noble people, fine people, fearless people. They were godless people. So what happened to them? If you're taking notes, point number three. What happened to those 56 men? Well, nine of those 56 fought and died in the Revolutionary War. Five were captured by the British as traitors. They were tortured, and then they died. Two of the 56 lost their son in the war, and others had their sons captured. Twelve of the 56 had their homes ransacked and burned, And a guy by the name of Thomas McGee, he was hounded by the British. His family kept him in hiding, and he lost all of his possessions. He died in poverty. And then a guy by the name of Carter Braxton, he was a wealthy planter and a trader. He traded all types of merchandise. And he saw all of his ships sunk by the British Navy. Person by the name of Thomas Nelson at the Battle of Yorktown, he noticed that General Cornwallis had taken up his own family mansion for his headquarters. And he urged General Wallace, uh, General Washington, to open fire on his own mansion, and it was totally destroyed. And Nelson died in bankruptcy. Francis Lewis at his home destroyed they jailed his wife and then she died just a few weeks later in jail John Hart he saw everything he had destroyed he lived in the forest he lived in caves then he went back to his home went back to the place his home place and there he found his wife dead and his children vanished the point is these men valued freedom And they valued God's will more than they valued their own property and more than they valued their own lives. Standing tall and standing straight, unwavering, they pledged themselves to this this declaration and their reliance on their protection of divine providence. They just felt within their heart that God would take care of them. It said, they said... And quote in a prayer, O Almighty God, we mutually pledge to each other in our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor. Listen, these are the men who laid the foundation of this nation. The point is, you can see what kind of men they were by the struggles they were in. That usually tells what kind all people are and the struggles that they go through. Do you remember, I remember as a young child, an impressive painting of George Washington on his knees in Valley Forge in the winter of 1777? It seemed that everything was lost to Washington. I mean, all he had was this this ragged, struggling army that could be overwhelmed at any minute. But we see him in the snow. We see him down on his knees. Praying for the help of God. In all of his struggles. That's the kind of men they were. So the question is. What kind of people were they? Who, who, who laid the foundation of this nation? Well you can see their character. And what they went through. You can see it. You can see it in the the, uh, Constitutional Congress. Uh, It was presided over by George Washington. Uh, On a center table in front of uh, George Washington, there was a book, only one book on that table. It was the Holy Word of God. It was the Bible. The aged Ben Franklin stood up and he said this, Listen, if it be true that no sparrow can fall on earth without his notice, then how much more is true that no nation can rise without his blessing? And then he added this, I make a motion that we begin each session of Congress in prayer, and it passed unanimously. It's recorded that during a session of Congress, a stranger from Britain attending a session leaned over to a person next to him and said, Sir, could you point out General Washington to me? And the reply came, and I quote, When the Congress goes to prayer, the man that will be on his knees will be General Washington. It's recorded that at the end of his first inaugural address, President Washington closed his address with prayer. Can you imagine a president, any president, after their inaugural address, looking up into heaven and thanking Almighty God for the nation that he was about to serve? asking for the blessings of God to be on him and the people that he would be trying to govern. He served from April the 30th, 1789, to March the 4th, 1797. He closed his first inaugural term after he'd served as president. He accomplished a lot of things. He nominated the first Chief Justice, John Jay. He signed a bill establishing the First National Bank of the United States of America. He set up his own presidential cabinet. But when he finished his final term, he ended with a prayer. And he said this, and I quote, Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou would keep the United States in thy protection. That thou would incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of of obedience. To ascertain brotherly affection and, and love one for another and for their fellow citizens of the United States. That's what he prayed for. What kind of people were those who laid the foundation of this nation? They were men who loved God, loved their families, and loved their country. So first you have a chosen people, elect by God, settled in North America. What kind of men were they? They were bold, they were strong, they were fearless. What happened to the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence? Then what kind of America are we making today? We live in an America today that is, first of all, indifferent indifferent a great university president said this he said i do not believe the greatest threat to our future is from bombs and guided missiles i think that our civilization will die because we no longer care arnold tornaby he pointed out this He said, 19 of 21 civilizations have died from within and not by conquest from without. The point is, it happens slowly in the quiet and in the dark when no one's aware, when no one just doesn't care. A great statesman said this, All that it takes for evil to prevail is for good men and women to do nothing. To do nothing. Don't pray. Don't take part. Don't vote. Don't pour into the effect. Don't pour into the effort. They just, uh, as the scripture says, are at ease in Zion. So what kind of America do we live in today? We live in one of indifference where people seem as though they just don't care. Then we live in America today that's full of lawlessness and violence. Mayhem, destruction, looting, autonomous zones, defunding police, disbanding police, murder. I read in the online news this morning where a little eight-year-old boy was caught in a crossfire in the Galleria in Birmingham. Was it, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday or maybe day before. His mother and her children, they were waiting to go in the children's place in the Galleria. It had filled to the allotted capacity, and they were waiting for others to come out. Three came out, and they needed one more space in the place. And I heard gunshots. This morning I read what she said. She said, I told them, get down, get down. And we all laid down on the floor in front of the children's place. Been there many times. And then I said, let's get up and go. And everyone got up but her eight-year-old son. Three others were wounded and transferred to the hospital. That's where we live today disbanding the police tearing down instead of building up you see people are afraid to shop people are afraid to go to the mall people are afraid to walk on the streets people especially in our major cities they're afraid of the dark but now we're afraid of the daylight why is that because of lawlessness and violence and this is what we've done with the nation that we received from those who died that we might have peace and joy and liberty and freedom under God. That's where we are today. That's our history to pass down to our little ones. We live in America that's indifferent, we live in America that's lawless and violent. And for the sake of time, I'll just mention. We live in America that's drug addicted, minds are saturated with pornography, families have been redefined, marriage has been redefined and mocked, homosexuality is prevalent, children are disobedient, disrespectful, parents are irresponsible. That's what we live in today. So here's the question in closing. Is there any hope for America? Bring back the cross. That's the message of the song. Bring back the cross. We need a revival. A revival's not for lost people, a revival's for us, for you, for me, who are believers in Christ. Lord, could it begin here at Mountain View Baptist Church today? Could it begin in me? Could it begin in Mountain View Baptist Church? Could it begin in Phil Camel, Alabama and spread like wildfire? all over the united states would that be possible you see there's no revival for our nation apart from us we're a part of the nation our nation cannot repent unless we repent our nation cannot believe unless we believe our nation cannot accept christ unless we accept christ our nation cannot be saved unless first We're saved. We're part of the nation. And so the point is we're members of this great America and it's only in us as we respond with open hearts and ask God to save us and to revive us. What was true in the day of Solomon is still true for us today. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 13 says this. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or I send pestilence among my people, my people, not just the heathen, but my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Here's the point. There's hope. Just like in the days of Solomon, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope for America. And it begins with you and me. So the invitation this morning is simple. Today, would you be willing to come as an unbeliever for our nation to be saved? You first have to be saved. And say, so, Brother Sammy, I want to give my heart and my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be saved. I want to know that when I die, I'll have a home in heaven. I want to be the father that I need to be, the mother that I need to be. I want to live a godly life in front of my children where they'll be saved and we can see our nation turn. I want to be saved today. You may say, hey, Brother Sammy, I'm coming to rededicate my life to Christ. I mean, if we're going to see our nation change, I've got to change. I'm going to change today, Brother Sammy. I've asked Christ to change me. I want to rededicate my life. I want to live for Him. I want my family to see me as an example, as a mother or a father. Because if our nation's going to change, I've got to change, Brother Sammy. Place your, place your, your life in the fellowship of this church. Maybe you are visiting, or maybe you're visiting other churches. You need to get plugged into a church. Be serving the Lord in the church. I invite you to come. Unite with this church. God elect. He chose people to settle North America. There are other things that happened to the pilgrims that carried them to where they finally landed. I believe it was God's will for the pilgrims to be where they were, where they ended up. What kind of men were our forefathers? What happened to those 56 men? What kind of America do we have today? But the question is, is there hope? There's hope if you and I do what we're supposed to do let's bow our heads for a prayer heavenly father thank you for an opportunity we've had just to focus and reflect upon the history of our country and the great declaration of independence and those who paved the way for us uh, in their lives uh, in their fortunes but in their blood and father we've inherited what they've left behind. And Lord, up to this point, it seems as though that we've made a mess of it. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse my heart, that I might be the person I need to be, the pastor I need to be. Father, I pray for each person here. Help us to realize that America can be saved if we're saved. America can be changed if we're willing to be changed. We're part of this great country. And as we change, the country changes. Help us to see that. We pray now, I pray for every person here. Speak to our hearts. May we be faithful to what the Spirit would have us to do today in a public commitment. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.